Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN merch button click on that it'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey on the swag that i'm using it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear sports history network and my favorite podcaster the sports history network store shop there today blog talk radio Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the regular fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score that would bring victory up to 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to gridiron greats. Football! And the gridiron greats publishing and broadcasting network. We're in conjunction with Slick Enterprises, and we're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We'll cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web app. GridironGreatsMagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawks items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Bob. Great to be back. I absolutely get a Cheshire cat grin when I when you do your football, and I, I can't even do it justice, but it's so cool. I think I've talked about this, this before. We should, we should get a ringtone of that. How do we do that? What do we have to record it? We have to get you into a sound studio one of them. behind one of those microphones. It'll be one of the most popular ringtones in America for football <laughs> card and memorabilia fans. Another thing we could do but is anyway, grab like 30 shows in a row of you of you saying this and then just kind of splice them together. Oh, uh, that'll be exciting. I'm sure. Yeah, we need somebody with some That's baby. Funny. Okay, anyways, yeah, I digress. That's fine. Anyways, uh, tonight... We have, actually this afternoon, we're going to be doing a general open forum. Uh, we got one guest lined up for next week, a Monday show, and uh, then I'm going to be taking a short break for a couple of weeks going on vacation, and then in June we'll be back with uh, some all new shows. But uh, we have a lot of uh, what I like to call open um, discussion issues that we're going to go over this afternoon, and I think they're well worth speaking about and talking about, and I'm going to lead off before we get into our main this uh, today. I did a card show in Wilmington, North Carolina this past Saturday, last week, and a uh, very, very interesting crowd that came, 
And the one thing I find very interesting here is that shows start at 10 a.m. And all the shows I did up in New England all started at 9 a.m. And um, a lot of that, again, I I really don't know the reason why, but it it does, uh, to me, work better uh, here with an opening at 10 a.m. Because around 9.30, quarter to 10, you've got to line out the door of people wanting to get into the show. And as soon as the uh, show actually opened, they started letting customers in about 10 of 10. By 11 o'clock, you really couldn't move um, in the show. I mean, a lot of tables were two and three deep with people, with customers, and there was a lot of active buying going on, so on and so forth. But I found very interesting... Uh, through the whole show was I got a lot of compliments from people saying you're the only person, or the only dealer here that actually has vintage football cards. And I had a lot of non-card items, meaning that I had a lot of publications, photos, uh, things of that nature. And a lot of people looked at a lot of different areas of my tables, two tables, and I tried explaining to them and educate them on different items that I had. And it was pretty interesting to, to hear reactions from uh, folks there with regards to what I had and stuff they had never seen before, so on and so forth. And one thing I, I was just totally amazed by, I had one fellow, he's, I, I would guesstimate he was in his late 20s, early 30s. He said in all the years he had been collecting and all the shows that he had gone to, he never saw Bowman football in hand. Can you believe that? I, 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 was, I was just shocked by that. No kidding. That he had never seen, he never held an actual Bowman football card in his hand at a show. So, uh, and I didn't have a lot of Bowmans. You know, I, I probably had maybe, you know, 15, 20 from uh, 50 to 55 on my table. But I was, I was, just, I was just shocked by that. So, again... Uh, you know, what I used to take for granted is no longer something I'm going to take for granted anymore because I think a lot of yeah. people have never seen stuff that I brought. And in turn, it's educating the public on, on different items. And like I told them, you know, 90% of my table was basically football uh, with a handful of boxing items and a handful of uh, basketball items that I had. It was minimal. However, the winner of the show continues to be uh, slab-graded basketball cards at insane yeah. prices. I, 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 I yeah. am just, I'm just so shocked by the whole thing. And to see these teenagers with their backpacks yeah. and their little card cases and their briefcases walking around, <laughs> uh, you know, basically you, you think you're making a million-dollar transaction there with, with the trades that were going on and so on and so forth. And one kid came up to me, and it was so cute. He showed me a card, and I said to him, I haven't a clue what that card means, what it represents, <laughs> and who the player is, so on and so forth. So then he educated me and says, well, you know, this is a P- PSA 10. I said, well, yeah, I can see it's a PSA 10. It doesn't do anything for yeah. me. I'm no stranger Because I don't collect like yeah. graded cards, nor do I like basketball cards. And he explained to me, you know, the, the significance of it. I said, well, you've got a really nice card in hand. So he says, well, do you want to trade for something? I said, no, not at all. I said, I, I have no desire to own that card. I said, you probably do better with somebody who deals in basketball. And I would say out of all the dealers there, there were probably six guys that just dealt in basketball. So they were, you know, that would be a card they'd be hot and heavy enough for and so on and so forth. But it was it was just amazing to me to see uh, the uh, – the interaction with graded cards, and I guess it's just it's gearing myself up for repeat in Chicago when I go out there uh, to yeah. see the uh, backpack warriors with the graded basketball going table backpack to table, uh, packing their wares there. So, my observation yeah. on the show. You and I were texting back Very and forth about this. Uh, I remember out of curiosity 10 years ago, wondering in uh, p- proportion of how many registered sets there were and how many total graded cards there were, what the ratios were between the sports, the big four. Uh, baseball is obviously the leader. 
let's for lack of a better number, let's say they they had a thousand PSA sets. Uh, yeah. Football was exactly half. Um, you know, football had 500, and at the time basketball had 250, and hockey had 125. It was literally a double up. You know, hockey to ba- basketball right. Right. to football to baseball. Uh, and, and you would see the same in auctions. It would be like baseball, you know, if you'd, if you'd open an auction and, you know, open to, to the categories, it'd be baseball, football, other. You know, and the other would be, you know, your basketball. Your I, I forget what auction it was, but the other day I opened it, and the top, like, 30 items were modern basketball cards, you know, the black-bordered Kobe Bryant, you know, 1995 refractor, you know, Don, Don, you know yeah. that, that stuff we make fun Uh it, it is painfully obvious that basketball, modern stuff, what you're, you know, what you're seeing, has overtaken football. I mean, it, you know, yeah, it's, oh, it's most weird. Most weird, weird to think. But I did not see yeah. what was interest. What was interesting to me at the show, and I, I did get around a little to, to look at a few tables. Um, what I what I found really interesting was there really wasn't much graded football anywhere. Both Martin or vintage, there was very little vintage cards anywhere. I, I basically had the most vintage cards of any dealer there, and all my vintage was raw. And I probably had at least, I would say, 150 single vintage cards, 72 and back, uh, all, all basically football with a with a handful of boxing cards that I have, and that was it. Um, and everybody else, I did see some graded baseball, newer graded baseball. I did not see virtually any hockey whatsoever. It's a hockey wax uh, boxes, uh, brand new ones. And I did not see, um, again, I did not see much graded football, especially newer graded football. I did see a lot of, of boxes of, of new football wax, uh, which I have no interest in. But, again, I saw a few dealers yeah. sell those. So that, that, I thought that was interesting, and uh, I don't know if yeah. there's a store in your in where you guys are on the West Coast. It's called Lids. They sell uh, you know, like bas- yep. baseball caps of the teams and all yep. that stuff. So yeah, there's yeah. one down, one here. Um, we we were shopping yesterday in a mall, and I went into the store, and I was shocked. The guy had a or the the, the store had a nice display of. Cards for sale of all sports, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, uh, some Pokemon ones, and, and like a pretty big rack, a lot of wax uh, boxes and a lot of wax packs. And the prices were relatively reasonable. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's what I saw in Walmart for pricing. Uh, so um, I asked the guy, you sell a lot of, a lot of boxes and a lot of packs? And he says, I, he sells more, bo- believe it or not, he sells more boxes than the packs. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so that, that was another observation on my, on my part on seeing it. I was just, I was just shocked yeah. to see you in a store like that, but it you should, know, they should have that. That's a nice, you know, nice compliment yeah. really good for their, uh, caps, you know, but I, I like your story about my... the, 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 the gentleman who'd never seen a Bowman and it, it kind of made me yeah, chuckle I was, I was... because I, I don't, I'll go for it. No, I was, was going to say, I, don't, I, don't I was want, just shocked by them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to make fun of someone who's never seen a vintage car. That's counterintuitive. But it kind of reminded me of the first time I ordered a 61 Fleer card, and I ordered it raw. And if you look at the 61 Fleer cards, they have a little dot, uh, you know, like a little tiny green dot, the the size of like, like somebody accidentally put a pen on it. Uh, and the right, first Fleer right. kind of got, card I got, I went, oh, shoot, somebody put a dot on that. And I went to kind of trying to race it, and it wouldn't undo. And I'm like, oh, what the heck, man? That sucks. <laughs> I don't notice that. Uh, and then ditto, I remember ordering a 65 Fleer card, uh, or excuse me, 65 Tops Tall Boy. And I knew it was called a Tall Boy. I didn't know why. And I got this card. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. What in the hell is this? Wow. Uh, so, I mean, we, we can make fun of someone about, you know, the, I've never seen a Bowman. I don't know which year you're talking. I mean, you know, but it made me chuckle because I just remember the first couple times I saw some odd cards, and you're just like, huh, you know. I mean, it, yep. it is, it, yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I was modern. I, I, I was I, 78, I ended up, 79 and on. I, I, I tell you, I, I ended up, uh, I gave him a good deal on some 55s, and I said, you know, here, here's a starter set if you ever want to, you know, one day pursue something really nice and vintage and affordable, and you could do it raw with no problem. And he, he understood what I was saying. I think he, I, he was very much up to what I was explaining to him. He wanted to learn about it. He wanted to see about it. Yeah, you know, he wanted to, you know, the, the other way you're going you're gonna to learn about anything, you've got to have a physical in your hand, you got to own it, and, yeah. you know, you go from there. And if you want to make a decision a couple of years from now, you've got a little more disposable income, you buy more of it, and you put the set together, that kind, of, that kind of situation. And I can almost guarantee the next show there is going to be in August, and I'm hoping he's going to be there because I'm going to bring a lot more 55 Bowmans, and I'll give him a good deal on them to, just to get them started in the, in the set and doing some vintage cards. And then what, what truly, uh, I, again, I, I, I'm not shocked by what somebody says to me anymore at a show because I think a lot of dealers and a lot of collectors are so focused on the modern stuff because it's easy, easy to get, easy to buy, and they, they're looking for, a lot of them are looking just for the payday. You know, crack open the box and you get the $500 insert card, get a graded, blah, 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 that whole bit. So I understand that. But, you know, again, if we're going to have any market for vintage, we got to get some new blood in here to, you know, to, to collect the vintage. That, that's what it's all about. And the only way you're going to do it, you're going to educate people. That's what it comes down to. And yeah. um, I did have some uh, issues of gridiron grapes. I gave them a few. And I said, your, 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 your homework for tonight is to read all this and, and look at it. And he kind of laughed when I said it to him. <laughs> but, uh, but when, again, when, he's look, when he looks through the magazine, he says, oh, wow, you got some national advertisers. I said, yeah. I said, you know, we've been around for a long time. So uh, hopefully uh, he'll pursue a different uh, or some new paths in his collection. And uh, it's worth it to see that happen and see a new, new collector come out for vintage Vintage yeah. football, and I. But well, while we're I have talking heritage about vintage open. football, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, just going to go have, into that. I happen so. to have her, her, heritage open because uh, we're talking about it in a minute. One of the cards I'm watching is a 1961 Fleer Johnny Unitas PSA nine because I I collected the 61 Fleer set forever, and I was trying to put it together in eight and nine. Uh, the second series of the 61 Fleer, easy, easy to do. That first series, yep. you know, uh, including the Unitas, the Brown, all the NFL stuff. The AFL stuff was easy. The NFL stuff, really hard. So this Johnny Unitas yep. card is really rare. But I, I clicked on it to see it. And there's the, the green dot is down in the white lower border between the uh, team logo, the team mascot, and the, the name. And it's just this tiny little green dot. I remember, uh, like I said, I remember getting it and trying to erase it. Anyways, that's my embarrassing story. I've uh, opened the Komodo. <laughs> so, uh, on to, uh, as I said, on to the, the Heritage auction, which ends tonight. Uh, I love Heritage always comes up with some good stuff. And it uh, seems like they continually, once a month or so, have an auction that's rolling out. Uh, ending tonight is a, a PSA. We don't like to talk about that little round white ball that people hit with a stick, but Ending tonight is an iconic card, a 52 tops Mickey Mantle PSA seven. It's uh, it's a $240,000 uh, plus wow. the buyer's premium in there. I just I watch those cards. Uh, I own one baseball card, and that is a 52 tops Mickey Mantle, uh, and I I love that card. Wow. So, but football wise, there is a PSA six Bronco Nagurski 1935 Chickle card 34 PSA six Nagurski for sale in Heritage. It ends tonight, eight hours left, in case you're listening to this uh, show and you want to jump in on there, ha.com. And it is currently at uh, 80,000, or it cur- it's currently at 77,500. So if you want to get your bid in, you're going to have to pay $80,000, which is 96000 with buyer's premium. Uh, what's, but, what's the premium? What's uh, 20%? We, we, B, yeah, BP's 20%, yeah. But we okay. were... Okay discussing this card on VFC, which is, uh, you know, vintage football, our, our, uh, you know, our chat rooms, our boards, where most of us, you know, vintage football collectors, you know, go to get all of our information. Jeff Payne's the moderator there. And uh, the common 
you know, a, a lot of people were talking about it. Bob, what are your thoughts on this uh, on this Nagurski? I think it's going to break a hundred before the buyer's premium, and I also think that thirty-five chickel is basically gold, and especially the big boys. The nag is always going to be uh, whether it's a PSA one, whether it's ungraded, whether it's a PSA nine, which to me is impossible. Um, it's always going to be a, a in-demand valued card. Um, I cannot believe, honestly, what I've seen happen with the 35 National Chickle over the years. And finally, in my opinion, <clears throat> it's really getting the respect that it should be getting as one of the first mainstream, the first mainstream football card that we are, look at and we view uh, in our football card history in our football card collections. And, uh, Absolutely. Totally I, agree. I, I wouldn't, I, 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 you know, again, we're, we're, it's right up there, but I think some big pockets are going to come out tonight and, it, and it's going to bid up over 100K. And, um, you know, it'd be amazing to see. Uh, what do you think of the borders of that Nagurski. Uh, and I agree, price-wise, I think it, I think it ends at 90,000, which with buyer's premium be 108. Uh, it, it's a PSA 6. Uh, I mean, at some point, it's a rare card, absolutely rare card. I agree with you, yeah, Captain, but it's, uh, I mean, th this just absolutely, you know, hits a home run for pricing of this card, of this card and puts it in that iconic stratosphere. Uh, Price-wise, I think it ends at 90, which would be 108 with buyer's premium. Uh, so we're, we're right in the range. We're within a we're within a, a couple shackles of each other. What do you think of the borders? All right. Well, getting back getting back to the borders, um, I want to say, and I and I'm undecided about it. They look they look like um, there's a little touching on them, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're just, you know, actual, that's, that's actually one. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I don't know. It's, a, it's tough for me to say. Tough for me to say. What do you think? Trent? Uh, uh, my, my, my wife jokes around uh, and calls me the catch, you know, catch and release, you know, of, uh, of 48 leaves <laughs> and 35 chickles. I'm the guy who would order cards up simply so I could put them into the micrometer and measure them. Uh, I literally have a spreadsheet of the various 48 Leafs and Chickle cards that I would purchase, raw and or graded. And then, you know, raw, I could put the, the calipers right up to it. Graded, I would obviously have to use the, you know, I'd get as close as I could while laying the calipers on top of, you know, the, uh, the, the case. And then I'd measure them, and I'd just start looking at, you know, what, Mostly it was, you know, I, I think, you know, I wrote that article, the, you know, the 48 Leaf set and the, the card doctors who love it. And I was just talking about the variations of the border and then just seeing how how skinny the card could get before it got slabbed and not slabbed. Uh, and it comes down to millimeters. And this card is somebody who's caught and released a lot of chickles. This card has uh, most definitely had a haircut. I would say with 80% certainty. This card has been under the knife. Uh, the, so, I mean, there should be an equidistance of about, you know, 10 millimeters of border. And, you know, if it's seven and three, that's miscut. If it's six and four, it's slightly off center. If it's five millimeters and five millimeters, it's center. Uh, out of the 10 millimeters, I would say the top and bottom are the skinniest. And I would say you're looking at about seven millimeters of border between the top and bottom. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. It, it's embarrassing okay. bad how, how bad this card looks. Okay. You so heard it from the expert. Maybe, and we're looking at... I don't know if you were using air quotes, air quotes when you said expert, but, you know, I, uh, that's my opinion. I wouldn't buy this. I mean, buy the card, not the, not the grade, not the slab. Right. Uh, somebody's going to buy this. Somebody's been paying six figures for this card, and the shame of it is, it, it's likely trimmed. And that leads us to our next topic. And I'm going to back, hand it hand it off back to you. 
on uh, a little uh, tension in the hobby about graded yeah. cards and some trimming going on. Give us some background. Yeah, uh, Evan, Evan Mathis, who's an ex-professional football player, actually won a Super Bowl ring with the uh, the Eagles, I believe, wasn't it? I'm not a huge I, – I, I don't know Evan Mathis as well, but so this guy's got a ring. Uh, he was also a big collector. And for a long time, you know, collecting football cards, uh, if you're a pro player collecting, you know, cards, that's kind of cool. Uh, so he, he had a lot of popularity. Well, he retired from football, and he went into collecting cards full time. Um, in a, uh, you know, burning the village down moment, uh, two weeks ago exactly, <laughs> he posted a TikTok video of him basically – you know, pulling the curtain back to expose the great and powerful Oz and, uh, you know, propping himself out there as an expert card doctor. And in there, he showed himself trimming cards uh, using a laser cutter. Uh, he showed himself uh, how he, you know, took an emery board, a, you, know, a, you know, a nail file, uh, you know, to get the striations on the card correct, how he would put the card into a top loader, and use uh, something, you know, to round the corners down so that they, you know, they looked factory cut. And then, uh, to me, the worst part of that is he used the power eraser, which I'd heard about before, but I'd never seen one in action. He used a, a power eraser, which basically lifts the pigments of the ink off of the cardboard. And, uh, he used that to r remove part of the ink to better center the card. Uh, he, al he also put wax paper over a card and rubbed it to you know, put the sheen back on it after, after power erasing it. He showed about five or six things that were very, very damning. And it, bo it, it begs the question, but, uh, what can be done you know, you know, TPGs, third-party grading, they have to crank out. They have to spend about 45 seconds or less analyzing a card to see if it's, you know, been doctored of some sort. Uh, you know, if, if you're good, if you're trimming off a 64th of an inch and then putting wax on it and then rounding the edge down, that's very, very hard to detect at, at the pace TPGs are going. So – it begs the question, what can be done about expertly trimmed cards uh, for, to help TPGs catch it? And then also, how many, well, how many trimmed cards have slipped by the goalie and are now rattling around in cages to, or in a plastic cases forever? I mean, once it gets, well, you know, once you trim a card and it gets a PSA 10, no one's ever breaking that out. The way I look at it, I again reiterate, I'm very happy. I never got into graded cards. And number two, this is really a multi-million dollar business now. I think it's up to the business's grading to start to really step up and improve and eliminate the threat of short cards being graded, these kind of grades, for what reason other than to create more, you know, more value, more cash, for whoever is doing it. And again, something like he posted, and I watched it, and I, and I, was, I was basically sick after I saw this one. Yeah. And I said to myself, I could only imagine at the time, and we talked about this numerous times in the past, when it comes time for me to sell my collection, I think I'm going to actually have a contract written up that you can't grade these cards. They can't yeah. be physically graded. Because I can only see a lot of my cards somebody trying to do that to them just to, and then, then they got a PSA nine, let's say 52 Bowman or whatever type of thing. It's ridiculous. And, and, it, and it's unethical. And just because it's, it's, it's a money driven, it becomes a money driven situation. Collectors have to suffer that. And again, whoever's going to buy that nag has to realize that may not be a perfect card. That really may not be a PSA six. That may be a trimmed card, which, in my opinion, yeah, it's going to have value, but it's not going to be worth $100,000 to anybody. 
So, yeah, you're right. What can be done to do it? Well, whatever's not being done really needs to be done. And I think it's just really, they really need to step up and say, we've got to come up with a better solution. We have to come up with better measurement of cards when we're getting them in raw so that we can start separating, hey, this is an eighth of an inch off. This is a 64th of an inch off. This is not a PSA 10. This is a trimmed card. And, you know, with him doing what he did, and again, I, you know, we, we've talked about this numerous times on the show also, and, and knowing the, who, who were the big card doctors in the hobby over the years, you know where the cards came from. You know how the cards were, were touched up. Why would you still touch the cards? Because you're just driven to buy that PSA-graded card, and that's it. You're not, you're not worried, or whatever, an SCC-graded card, whatever it may be. So... I don't know. I don't have a solution on it. And you know what? I'm, I'm getting tired of it myself because it really gives the hobby a really bad, a bad uh, reputation. Yeah. It's exactly why I got out of collecting the 48 lease set because I just started seeing. I, I, I knew enough about the set to know, you know, better than most with, again, 80% certainty what cards were trimmed and not. So when I'm buying leaf cards, I'm buying them with, you know, robust borders. And then I'm measuring them, and then I'm entering, you know. And so when I started seeing PSA 8, you know, Bob Waterfield cards that were below the tolerances I'd seen before, literally, so for, you know, six years I was measuring cards and seeing what what the minimum border was to get into a slab. And then all of a sudden one day the floodgates opened, and I started seeing cards that were, you know, a couple millimeters below what had been that threshold forever. Uh, and it, it was kind of weird. I mean, it, you know, one, two millimeters on a 50 millimeter card is 2%. Very noticeable to the eye, you know. So uh, it, it, it's, I, I, I could just see them getting through. And if you know what you're doing, you're not buying a card that looks that skinny. And that was devaluing my entire collection, even though my collection was fat bordered. Uh, and uh, that's when I decided to get out of it. I don't have any high PSA cards right now. Uh, seeing card doctors slip 48 leaf cards by the goalie changed the entire way I collect. Uh, I sold most of my high-grade cards off because I could just see that the, that the card doctors were getting better than the, 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 the card graders. And uh, right now I collect mid-grade rare cards. I mean, if you've got a, a you know, a, a Mayo Dunlap card, you don't really care what the grade is. An SGC 10 is a pretty cool card if it, you know, if it's, you know, if, if it's aged well. An SGC 30 card, nobody's trimming these to try and get them in. It's just having the card is a, is a wonderful thing. It, uh, you're agnostic to the grade almost at some point. These are so rare. I mean, right. yeah, so... I, for for me, seeing it, seeing how it was, you know, getting by the goalie is what really turned me off from the hobby and moved me more towards uncut sheets. I mean, you you know, I have a, you know, yeah, I mean, uncut sheets. What I'm, you know, what I've gone towards. You can't doctor that, right? And I, and again, I, I point out, and I've I've said this numerous times at shows in the 1980s. I rarely saw near mint. 48, 49 Leaf, 48 Bowman's. I never saw those cards. On occasion, I'd probably see maybe one or two cards I would grade today, X or X plus, or possibly X near mint. And they were nice cards. And that's all I saw. I didn't see this deluge of, of perfect, beautiful 48 Perfectly cut 48, 49 leaf cards out of nowhere. And it, it, to me, don't lie to me and say that those are not those were not trimmed in mass. Because they were. They were. And, and I know a couple of people say to me, I always look for a fat border 48, 48 leaf. I say, good luck to you. Because mm-hmm. I said, I think every 48 leaf has been literally been bought up and trimmed uh, to try to get a good grade on it. In all seriousness, I still got a, I still got a handful of 48 uh, leaf that I bring to shows, 
that I, I don't even bring them, you know, I don't even talk about it anymore. And I, I had one guy, I think probably in the last uh, five years, buy one forty-eight leaf for me just because he was a he was a team collector, and um, that was it. You know, I had never talked to anybody in years who was actually putting the set together. And a lot of the reason why is what you just, you know, talked about. That's crazy. That's crazy. It really, it's really hurt the hobby. I don't care. I can't remember anybody says uh, it, it has given the hobby a black eye. As much as everybody tries to spin it every which way and everybody, you know, says, oh, you know, it happens. That's it. You know, in other hobbies, uh, things can be touched up and they're accepted as new, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not, that was never part of our hobby. I've been collecting cards since 1965. I never once in a show in the 1970s or 1980s have or look at something that was touched up because nothing was touched up. That all of a sudden with the boom in the early 90s, all of a sudden, oh, you know, maybe we, if we do this, maybe we do that, but this card will be a mere mid card. And then throw in the grading equation 10 years after that, and, you know, all heck breaks loose and that's it. Not right. No, it's yeah. really not right. And uh, uh, were you at the for, national where, where he was there? That guy, even and um, evident, and he was he was either set up or whatever. And he was near. Uh, I was with uh, John and Andy at BSP MSB that year, and he came over to the table and he was. I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to sell something, or whatever. I really didn't listen to the guy. And uh, they did not. They did not uh, purchase it from them. I, I want to say it might have been 2016. I'm not sure. I could be way off. I, I was. My, my I wasn't there when he came over, but I heard about it at pizza later. Uh, you okay. know, it, okay. he, he back then he had the star power. When he came up, people. That's right. You know, to be able to say That's I bought right. a card from Evan Mathis was a big deal. Now, right, 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 right. now it's a black eye. Where'd you get this, Evan Mathis? Oh hell no, I'm not buying that. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I distinctly remember that, and um, and again, uh, you know me, I'm the type. I really, I don't get overly impressed with the celebrity coming to the table. And I, again, the last Chicago show. Uh, setting up there with Josh. I still remember Dennis Rodman came over uh, to the table next to us, and um, basically our, our sale shut down for a half hour while he was there. But I'm saying to myself, the guy looks like he was 100 years old, and I can't believe he has any type of staying power anymore whatsoever, star power whatsoever, because he, he looked like a shell of himself. He looked in bad shape one way or the other. But game back to... You know, card doctoring and trimming and so on and so forth. Why do you think he actually did what he did? That's what I'm curious about. He, well, there a couple things on you know some some other you know sports related websites is uh, he invested you know a lot of his uh, a lot of his money. Uh, right. He, he, he in, in, invested it. And uh, he got swindled. <laughs> so if you take half of your wealth and invest it, you know, hoping to make money on it, and it goes away, you, and you're like, I got screwed. Hence, let me screw, you know, hell with it. I'm going to burn the institution down. So it's basically Evan trying to get back in uh, with PSA, make a little bit of money. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, he, he was just on a podcast. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, Western Conference Hobby Dream uh, that I plan on listening to, uh, and and uh, I, I want to listen to that because apparently on there he justifies it as everybody else is trimming, why not me? Which would be the same thing, you know. You know, other people are robbing banks, why can't I do it? I mean, it's you know, uh, yeah. Exactly. So there's, uh, yeah. So apparently he needs the money. I mean, because uh, which is a weird thing to say about somebody who played professional ball. I mean, you know, I'm sitting in front of my computer. How much money did Evan Mathis make in his computer uh, or in his uh, career? Mathis career earnings. What would you call that? Yeah, career earnings. Uh, signed well, a two-year, two million contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. Career earnings twenty-five million. Wow, that's actually some pretty good moolah. 
Panthers. Uh, subtract, uh, the, subtract the uh, yeah. the uh, his agencies. So that's at oh, least ten yeah. percent. So he's got over twenty million. So yeah, wow. so if you say twenty five percent minus ten percent would be twenty two and a half. Let's say eight of that goes to the government. Thirteen million. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, minus you know five hundred a year of expenses. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know. So let's say he ended up after you know from playing after playing from two thousand five to 2016 he had an 11 year career you know that's you know that that's it's not quite fu money you know getting out of there you're retiring with right. five million in the bank but right. i mean it's a, it's a lot of money but you know let, let's call it eight million let's say he retired with eight million in the bank uh and he lost four of it you know uh, on a bad investment yeah so yeah kind of weird wow wow that that is amazing. That's weird to look at. That is really amazing. Yeah. But again, you know, what will uh, let me let me look at it in a different perspective. Look at all the different hobby crises we've seen over the past basically twenty years. Uh, you know, the the problems at auctions with with trill bids, all the different problems now with trim cards and greeting and so on and so forth. And it just doesn't seem to get resolved. It doesn't seem to change anything. Well, this situation now, because he was such a prominent player in the hobby, will this situation finally bring to light that, hey, we really got to do something or we're not going to have a hobby. Am I am I you know am, am I examining a worst case scenario here? Am I overreacting? Uh, should I just ignore this? I don't know. I mean you know I've had a couple of people ask me about it, and I say I resolve it in my own way. I don't I don't buy any graded cards, and then I you know I got I I, I can get local dealers to say well, well how can you not be selling graded cards because I said I won't sell. I have no reason to. Why would you want to buy a card that you got out of a pack? Send it to a grading company and get it back as a whatever a PSA ten or SGC uh, one hundred or whatever it is, just to say you had it. And then you now made that ten dollar card now a five hundred dollar card, and look at all the money I made. Okay, so what has that done to the hobby? You've made your quick buck, yeah, and that's about it. You know, you're not you're not creating a hobby where people are collecting more than just one or two of those cards, and that's it. You know what I mean? They should come out with a wax yeah. pack that just has an insert card, one insert card and one pack in a 36-pack box. So you buy 35 packs that won't have anything in it, and you get one card that has the pack, the one pack that has a card in it. That would be the ultimate, don't you think? I mean, it would save all this money. Yeah. And they could, they could just put in like a blank board saying, you know, loser, you know, there's nothing in this pack. You just spent $100 for this pack, and it's worthless. I mean, it's the same concept, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's like buying a scratch-off it, it, You know, the lottery it, thing. It, it turns you off a lot of people's eight. hobby, totally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and think about it. I mean, it's, just, it's farcical for me. Farcical. Bad. It's, that, that's really bad. This, this, to me, is, is I don't think it's going to go away soon. And I'm really wondering what the vibe's going to be at the National about it. If that's going to be the talk of the show... Or it's just going to be ignored and that's it. You know what I mean? And uh, the kicker will be somebody comes up to me and says, you got any 48-leaf graded cards? And I'll just start laughing hysterically, you know, if they ask me that. Well, if, if history is any indication, Captain, I, I think the hobby will react to this the same way it did WeWag, the same way it did, same way it did to, you know, the – you know, still the most valuable card, the PSA Wagner. Uh, you yeah. know, to you know, you know, the same way it did. You know, to uh, you know, legendary auctions. The same way it did yeah. to uh, uh, you know, to PWCC finding out that you know, shill bidding. I mean, the, the same yeah. way it does. It's just people are aghast. It's like holy crap! It's you know, it's literally like I know there are I know there are cockroaches in my house. I just don't want to see them. 
And if I ever see one, I'll right, gross right, out. Right. I want to kill. You know, it, that's uh, it's it, it's tough. That is such a great comparison, stating that, and it's so true. You know, I got or I got the termites eating down, eating up the house, but I'll just you know, I'll throw another piece of plywood there, and it'll be all right. It'll last for a couple more years until I sell it, type of thing. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's just truly amazing. And, you know, again, I, I continue to state all the time, all the time, if this hobby is going to survive, you've got to get new blood in it. Or our collections are going to be absolutely worthless. Might as well just get a dumpster right now, put them in the dumpster, and, and call it a day type of thing. And we don't want to do that. You know, and it's the same thing uh, with me looking at publications of the hobby. Um, I, I was kind of shocked at this show, this past show, I had a couple guys buy some Sports Illustrated something. And um, they said they, they always liked the covers, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I thought that was really cool that they were actually collecting them. And one guy said, yeah, I got a pretty pretty nice collection of publications. But I only, he only collected certain players and certain uh, – he was a baseball collector more than anything else. So um, I'm saying to myself, well, I got, a, I got 50 Street and Smiths here. Not one person looked at one of them type of thing. They don't know what it is. They have no clue. They don't, they don't, they're not educated about it. And in their mind, they'd rather spend that same money in the chance to get a hot card so they can get it graded so they can make money on it. And that can't be the hot. Hobby won't survive based on that. Uh, which is a little intro for me to say in the upcoming national issue of Britter and Greats Magazine, I'm reviving my old Turning the Pages column uh, that I wrote for Sports Collectors Digest back in the early 90s, which just is going to deal with football publications again. And I, I feel a need. i, I got to start talking about it in the hobby. And what better way to talk about it than in our magazine? And uh, hopefully I'll spark some interest for some people to start collecting publications again. Because to me, publications are way undervalued right now. They are not valued. And as we, we've said numerous times, on this show, a lot of publications pre-World War II are just not going to be found anymore. They are rare beyond rare and uh, something to take into consideration when you're collecting, uh, a new avenue for collecting and a new avenue to enjoy your collection. Other thoughts, if any, on the card grading, and then we're going to go into a couple of other areas. Sorry, Joe, you're in charge. You're in charge <laughs> of finding a solution to the card grading crisis. What are your thoughts of that? Uh, you know, we had uh, Scott Alpa on as a guest about a year ago. Uh, Scott was a SGC grader, or grader at SGC uh, for several years, uh, you know, all the way up to yeah. head grader. He left there and went to work for, um, boy, who is it? Uh, I forget, card dealer, uh, spent about a decade oh, yeah, there. He was in charge. Yeah, yeah. Who was it? Anyway, he was, he was in charge of, uh, you know, of acquisitions there. He's the guy who would go to a show and, you know, find the, you know, the PSA 5 card that looks like it could get a bump. Uh, you know, he'd find the yep. raw card that's yep. good. He, did, he knew the cards. Um, so yep. he uh, – uh, so, so he was at uh, collector, Collector's Corner. Uh, no, that's not it. Excuse me. Anyway, no, 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 he no, was no, there no. for it a decade, was, and then about three years ago, he went to work at PSA as uh, as one of their uh, one of their head graders in charge of technology. Uh, I, I've talked to Scott quite a few uh, times. There's a a friend of mine who owns a, a, a company up here called DW Fritz, and they make uh, you know. They make, you know, microns and millimeters is their, uh, you know, is their tagline, yeah. because they make, uh, you know, see, you know, machines that measure things. Like if, you know, the they're, you know, one of the things is, uh, you know, like, I mean, you know, let's say your laptop, you know, everything has to fit and has cl have clearances in your laptop. Well, if you, uh, it, you know, if, if you put something in there and doesn't quite have clearance, it'll rub, it'll, it, you know, it'll uh, short out, it'll, you know, et cetera. So I was always saying how you could program that, I mean, to know all of the cards, the modern cards are harder, but, and then lasers come in and measure the card. 
scanners come in and look at the surface. You're looking for, I mean, they have infrared, they have black lights. I mean, so in like, you know, two, three seconds, I mean, you're paying half a million to a million dollars for a machine, but it grades so much faster and it grades so much more right. accurately. Right. And uh, I was talking to him about it and Scott's like, well, uh, you know, you have to get business. And most people, the, most, of the, most of the business comes from the dealers. And the dealers don't want to know that something's trimmed. They want it slabbed. They get a consignment. If REA gets a consignment from someone and they send them the cards and, you know, a third of them come back as trimmed, that, that, that just makes it more difficult for them. They, they want things to be slabbed and they want to sell them. Uh, if, you know, why, why would somebody cross over this PSA 6 Nagurski uh, when they know it's trimmed, it's going to get rejected. So, I mean, it, he goes, that's a lovely business model, but no one's going to use you. The reason no one's going to use right, you is right. because they, you know, it, it, they don't like the rejection. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, people don't want to know. This is the, this is the, the, the dark secret. People don't want to know. Again, it's, uh, you know, it's cockroaches. I know I have cockroaches, but I, uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to see them. Same thing. I, right, I, right. I know I have probably trimmed cards in my, you know, in my collection. I don't want to know. I'm not going to resubmit them, you know. I don't know. The answer is out there. There is, there is, you know, there are, you know, digital measuring, you know, equipment and scanners and infrared and black lights that can give you an accurate assessment of a card. Well, maybe you, just, you wouldn't have the well, you know, maybe that that maybe the businesses need to invest in that. You know, maybe PSA and SVC and all, everybody else in Beckett need to start investing in that you know high tech equipment and and bite the bullet and just say, hey, we, we are foolproof. If you got a trip card, you're not going to get it graded, or we'll grade it and it's trimmed, and you you figure out what you got to do with it, and that's it. Simple. Why is that hard? Well, because of the initial cost of it is astronomical well you know you're a multi-billion multi-million dollar business now this is a multi-million dollar business this is not me going into a candy shop and buying uh, a 10 cent pack of cards anymore you know so that's what bothers me about it you know and again being in business over the years in different businesses i you know i have to make an investment in equipment you got to make an investment in equipment in your business it's inevitable if you don't want to make the investment, then, uh, you know, I can't feel sorry for you. You know what I mean? But, again, you have the mentality. I don't want to know that my 48-leaf uh, card is trimmed. I want to know that it's a PSA 10, and that's what I'm selling it for, even though it's shaken in the, in the uh, holder. You know what I mean? So it, that, yeah. that, it's sad. I mean, it really it bothers me. It really bothers me. So, uh, again, in a way, I'm happy that I never got into the graded card frenzy, but at the same time, I don't think it's healthy for the hobby. And I'm, I've been more for the hobby. I try to be for the hobby, and I've tried to be, you know, a, a legitimate spokesperson for the hobby and have people ask me my expertise in the hobby since I've been around such a long time. It bothers me to say to them, don't buy that card, even though it's graded that way, because the card is obviously trimmed, and you're wasting your money. But I want trim, I want graded cards. Well, maybe that's a set you should try to uh, collect raw rather than graded, you know, and accept a lesser grade type of thing. You know, I want to see my mm. cards handled. Yeah. I mean, my old cards are handled. That's it. Simple. 1965. Do you think I, you know, yeah. I put my name up in, uh, in, uh, in what? What was I going to put it in back then? Wax paper? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I looked at the card. <laughs> I read it. I played with it. I mean, it's ridiculous. Jeez. Unbelievable. All right, yeah. we got about, I don't know, uh, five and a half minutes here. Again, if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Grades Magazine, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, gridirongradesmagazine.com. Uh, I will be set up at the National with uh, Josh Adams, and I think it's called Midwest. Uh, oh, he's got a, got a new company. i got to get the name correct on it. Which I'll pull up right now in a in a, Gosh, Adam in a flash. Cards, but I will be there. Had a rebrand. Yeah, well, he's doing the. Um, he's got the auction uh, company now. 
and um, he's doing 1990s auctions. Uh, very uh, successful, very interesting. Uh, he had a big inside back cover page ad last um, issue. Oh, 90sauctions.com. So I gave Josh a free a free plug for you on today's show. So uh, check it out. I, I'll be there. I'll, when I find out the, the uh, table number, I'll, I'll be posting it also at the same time. Joe, anything else on your mind? We've got it a little less than five minutes. Uh, it's a tough subject for sure, Bob. I, I don't know the answer. I, get, I You know, as we always tell people, it's just educate yourself, know what you're looking for. You know, uh, the people bidding on that, you know, PSA 6 Nagurski are probably it as it's slabbed. Uh, therefore, it's good. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think the, I mean, the problem yeah. with that is, the problem with that is, is people, rather than buying the card, they buy the slab. And that creates a lot yep. of the issues that, that allow trimmed cards to survive all these years type of thing. And I'll tell you, when I collected totally the 35 trickle set, when I, when I collected the 35 trickle set numerous times over the years, I really never saw much difference in the cards. In other words, I didn't really see any miscut 35 chickles. They were all pretty, you know, pretty basic, you know, and I bought, you know, I did not buy any gem mint cards in any way, shape, or form. My, my 35 chickles, the best 35 chickles I had were VGX at the best, you know what I mean? But I can't see how, like you're saying, because they're trimmed all of a sudden now, all these 35 chickles have come to the market. And miraculously, they're in great condition, you know? Hmm. Oh, well, educate yourself. Know what you're buying. Buy the card, not the slab. Uh, You know, all those those things that we talk about, you know? Yeah, that's what, that's, that's the most important thing. You know, you like a card, you like the way the card looks. And uh, if it's raw, just buy it, and that's it. And you know, maybe, maybe I don't know, have a have a set that has some graded cards and some uh, raw cards in it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people who tell me, well, I got this set, but I got the three star cards in the set. They're all graded. I said, okay, um, what's that do for you? Well, you know, that gives me the peace of mind that they're, you know, they're, they're legit. I said, okay. They can listen to the show, and I say, well, and they can say to themselves, well, three cards I got that are whatever grade they are are all trimmed. So how is this legit? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough, tough call, tough call. Hmm. Yep. Oh well. Uh, yeah. We'll see how this auction is. What it is. Uh, What it is. We'll I find agree. out. We'll find out either late tonight, which I will not be staying up and watching, and I'll probably won't even <laughs> check on it until at some point in the morning tomorrow. And that's it. I can yeah. rest easy tonight, knowing uh, my run is raw, and I want it to stay raw as long as possible. That's it. All right. <laughs> I, um, I call that the West Coast advantage. Those uh, those you know those <laughs> options that end late. You guys going to bed. Yeah, exactly. Those days are over for me, staying up late for uh, auction. There's nothing out there uh, that that I'm that concerned about one way or the other. All right, we got about a minute. Two-minute warning, Joe. Hand it off to you. What would you pick up on today's show? Uh, you know, somebody out there, you know, some kid out there somewhere has an Evan Mathis jersey from when he was a star. Uh, you know, played with the Bengals, played with the Eagles. Uh, but someone has a, a jersey of his. And just like a lot of our heroes, when they retire, they go on to, you know, do other things. And I, I think that's a shame is, you know, the, the more I thought about it, the more I looked up this guy's salary, and I, I'd forgotten some of the places he, he'd played or where he was drafted. But, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's weird. I mean, is this concussion? Is this CTE? You know, who knows? Or is it him just trying to make money now that he got scammed? But whatever it is, it's right. a shame. It's a, right. it's a blight on the hobby, on our beloved hobby. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we did it. It was a good job today beating it up. 
and we presented it like yep, it yep, is, yep. As, as we are real hobbyists in the hobby, trying to keep the hobby going. And I'll end it like that. We're pretty much out of time. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to be back next week. As I said, Monday, we've got another show with a guest coming up, and we'll be back then. Thanks for listening. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already... We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.